happens in the booth stays in the booth. That's how we're opening the show. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of The Drop-In. You know, it's so rad to be in our new home here at the Better Rate Mortgage Studios uh, right on Woodward. And if you're familiar with Detroit, Woodward is, I mean, Woodward is just about everything in the city of Detroit. You can start right at the water at the Detroit River and take it and see every walk of life up, down, in between. It's so rad and it's an honor to be here in studio and to have this guy. I mean, uh, I, I didn't realize, uh, I happened to be at his birthday party about a month ago or so and his mom come up and she's like, you know what? When Christian was young, thank you for being so cool to him. And I, you know, I met a ton of kids at that time. I didn't really know. And our friendship has developed into something that's just rad. So it's an honor to have Christian in studio today. And we might as well get right to it. You know, the monologue is rad and all that kind of stuff. But I want to fill this whole hour with the content that's going to get you off your couch. You have to be an active participant in your own life. This isn't a dress rehearsal. We get one shot at living. And this is your shot. And when you get done with this hour, I want you to look at the screen, hopefully, and and just say, man, I want I, Christian did that. I want to be like that. Or you have a dream that you can now vision and see that there isn't a straight line. I mean, it's a crooked line to get to where you want to be with your life. And my brother right here is no different. So let's get right to it. Ooh. Christian. Thank you so much for being here. It, it's so rad. You know, a lot of, um, of, of the drop-in being in this studio has to do with you. And I, I called and thanked you uh, the, the, the next week. But, um, you know, uh, let's open the show. State your full name uh, and, and who you are, yeah. where you're from. Yeah, so first of all, thanks a million for having me, Gerald. I mean, uh, we'll dive into, you know, just how great I think you know, or how highly I think of you in a little bit. I got some things I want to share that you probably don't even remember. But um, but no, it's an honor to be here. I'm super, super excited for the future of this show. I know you've got some amazing guests. I mean, you've got one of the craziest stories of, of anyone that I've, you know, met ever. Um, so to, to see you in this building doing all this is absolutely incredible. And to be one of the first guests on it, I am absolutely honored. Um, thanks for tuning in. I am Christian Hoffer, and uh, my nickname is Choff. I'm a uh, smile enthusiast. I try to make people smile, you know, with everything I do. Uh, professionally, I DJ, I host shows, I MC, uh, I ride skateboards, not as a professional, but for fun. Um, and overall, just a, a life liver, you know. My kind of job is to be the bells and whistles of, of the social experience in a lot of ways and help with um, kind of executing people's visions for parties and, and you know, being being a DJ, being a hype man, being an MC, and, and really getting in there and, and staying in the trenches on the weekends so that everyone can everyone else can have kind of the time of their lives. So that's like a really short-winded way of uh, explaining what I do. But, you know, I love it. I'm, I'm super, super blessed. I've, uh, I've done radio for a bunch of years. Um, not so much right now, but we can, we'll dive into that a little bit. Um, you know, I worked with tons of different organizations over the years. I was in a fraternity growing up. I, so what I'm getting at with all this is I've, I've filled a lot of different roles and I've learned a lot along the way. And, uh, you know, I'm very, very happy to be sitting next to you today and, uh, you know, in a position like we are here at Woodward Sports, able to, to chat about it a little bit. So. Yeah, and it's rad, you know, and, and, and now you guys know while he, why he is on the drop-in. That opening is, I mean, the mission statement of this show, encouraging people, smiling, positive attitude, all that kind of stuff. And there's going to be some downtimes. And I'm sure we're going to share those throughout the next hour or so. But just being overall positive, you attract positive people. And our friendship hasn't been, I, I, it's as strong, if not as strong as it's ever been. Because we both are sort of doing the same things on our own path. You know, trying to inspire people, trying to smile, trying to be approachable. Which isn't commonplace in a lot of cities around this country right now but um with that you know we're gonna start at the beginning because that's what we do here yeah where, where were you born where'd you grow up that kind of a yeah thing. so uh i was born in uh south lyon michigan you know suburb of the metro detroit area pretty normal home had two loving parents shout out uh rich and fran they're so great um i have been you know pretty much interested in skateboarding since I could walk. And that was like my first love. And that's where I want to take a second to kind of mention where Gerald comes into play. Right. So, um, so originally I was born in Livonia area. I moved to South Lyon when I was in like fourth grade. Right. And that was kind of when I took skateboarding as my own. 
I was moved. I moved to a new place in the middle of the school year. I was able to like kind of grab this new identity, and I was like, I always was interested in skating. So that was like the moment that I really took skateboarding as my own. Right? This is like 2004, 2005. I would go to Modern Skate Park, or I think it might have been Vans at the time, but it's now Modern um, in Novi. And this guy Gerald would be there. I mean, every you know, every Friday, Saturday night. And it's funny because. A lot of the older dudes, I mean, this he was a pro at the time. You know, this guy's a legendary skater. A lot of those guys, you know, they'd come to the park and they'd do their thing and, you know, kind of swerve the kids, whatever. This is the dude that would roll up to the skate park. And I remember this so vividly because he hooked me up with some of my first boards. He would come with, like, boxes of boards and hats and shoes and shirts and all these things and, like, hook up all the kids. I still have at home, like, a T-shirt you gave me back in the day, a beanie you gave me back in the day, like, all these things. Um, so I just want to take a minute for the, the viewers to understand like how genuine of a human you are. Like that stuck with me to the point where when, you know, we kind of crossed paths again later in life, I was like, holy crap, this dude, like, I remembered that. And uh, you didn't go, holy shit, he's, he's old as dirt and he's still doing it. <laughs> I did that. That's the, that's the crazy part. I'm like, he's old as dirt and he's still doing it. And I, st he's still got that same spark, that same energy, that same inclusivity, that, was so present in like those olden days and it just goes to show so um so yeah man and it's funny like you know i bring that up because it, i think it's important to mention like you know doing those things for someone when they're a kid it, it has an echo effect you know i'm i'm now i like to do that sometimes like i'm not a pro or anything but you know when i'm done using a board i'll go give it to a kid at the skate park and a lot of that transpires you know ripple effect because of people like you um and you specifically in my situation uh for doing stuff like that so well, and, and I love that. you know, uh, when I first turned pro, uh, I realized that um, that's what I signed up for. You know, that's who I was. But when I step out the door, uh, I wanted to treat people the way I would have liked to have been treated, you know, when I was 9, 10, 20, 30, whatever. And I was, I, I still am as excited. I have goosebumps on my whole body right now, by the way, because I'm still as excited as I was when I was 12. To ride my skateboard. And I'm going to be 50 this year. 50. Oh! And he still skates like he's 25. Yeah, but it still, it, it puts the biggest smile on my face. And that radiates. And it, and, and it, it affects the people around you. And I'm, I'm stoked that it, it affected you uh, the way it did. Because that isn't always the intention. It's just giving back. It's it's like trying to promote this, this uh, uh, stoke. Uh, to everybody, so they can touch it and feel it, and it, and it happens in not just skateboarding, but I mean, you can do it with ice hockey, with football, with DJing, whatever your passion is. You know, Dr. Wayne Dyer says, find your passion, and when you find what that is, you know, to make a living at it, you don't you don't sell a product, you sell that passion. You let people see how rad it is to do what you're doing, no matter what it is. And that's what I, I try to do on this show. I mean, on a skateboard, wherever we're at. You know, whatever you're doing, be psyched on it. And, and what you're doing around the country is, I think, amazing. You know, I, I, I see you. And, and you got to follow this guy on social media because just his pictures alone will make you smile. <laughs> it, it's so cool. There's so, there's so much energy in a still picture that uh it has to gravitate into your eyeballs into your being when you see that and i encourage everybody you know on your social media feed wherever you're at follow the positivity man follow fill your feet up with the positivity and 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 it it, it definitely makes a difference in in lives and not only yours but the people around you um but um, so you're in South Lyon. Yeah, they had a little skate park there. You're skating Nova. You're growing up. You're doing your thing. Uh, how were you in school? Like, what kind of kid were you in school? <sighs> Mom, I'll let you handle this. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> like, like, actually, uh, hang on. We're gonna yeah. <laughs> no. Um, I mean, I did all right in school. You know, I I think my my GPA might have been like a two point nine when I graduated. I didn't like it. I mean, I was. Classic skater in a public school system, you know, just, I mean, there wasn't a place for people like us right. necessarily. Like, yeah, we found a place, the skate park, but, um, but I definitely felt the, the, you know, effects of that. And I didn't have a rough childhood by any means. I had actually an amazing childhood. My parents were always really supportive of everything, but, um, but I definitely felt the burn of that in school. And I, I, 
am grateful for it because I think a lot of that friction kind of like propelled me to really follow my heart and everything I'm doing. Um, Maybe be a little more resilient. Yeah, that and just, you know, recognize that you're not always, you know, you have an option to not be the square peg in the round hole, you know? You can make your own path that fits you. You don't have to, you know, go sell insurance if you, you're not passionate about it. And if you bring that all the way back, I think a lot of the fundamentals of that I learned just kind of by being that sort of outsider vibe in school. And don't get me wrong, I was like, you know, I had friends and stuff, but it was just a whole different vibe when you're not involved with much on a curric- from a curriculum standpoint, mm-hmm. you know? Um, it's like I couldn't wait to get out of school and get to the skate park, and that was where, like, I really feel like I grew as a human. Right, and, and you know, for me growing up, it was, like, me and, like, the three other dudes that rode skateboards and had mohawks. That was it. Yeah. That, that was it. And, In uh, your era, I couldn't imagine, too. I mean, oh, I, it, you were... It was, it was crazy, you know, getting yelled at out of cars. I mean, it was all kinds of, all kinds of nuts. But were there a ton of skaters uh, in your school? Did you have, like, you know, the, <clears throat> the, the core group of friends, or how was that? No, it's funny, actually. So Tony Hawk's, like, underground was when I was in, I want to say, like, middle school, right? So skating had, like, a few years of being cool in middle school. <laughs> and then by the time high school rolled around, <laughs> that shit was not cool anymore. It was so funny, too, because I remember, like, vividly... Be, like like late elementary school into middle school, which for me was you know that would have been oh four to oh six or so into like early middle school. Um, it was like skateboarding was tight. Like people, you know, that was when Bam was big. Everyone was rocking the the element stuff. Everyone was wearing audio. Everyone was whatever else. And then by the time like my sophomore year hit, it was like that couldn't be farther from oh, relevant. Man. Obviously, you know, as skaters, we didn't do it for the hype. We did it because we're skaters. So you know, I I stayed in. Uh, in that space, not necessarily, you know, BAM supporting, but, um, stayed in that space nevertheless. And, uh, so yeah, I mean, um, I I guess you could say I had a core group. My core group was more so my skater friends, man. It was again, you know, the, the, when I got to get out of the school and and get near everyone, that was, that was where it really radiated. Well, and what's rad about, uh, you know, the skateboard culture or the extreme sports culture, because my BMX friends are the same way. Um, it really promotes creativity. It promotes uniqueness. It promotes being your own, whatever that is, whatever you feel, if it's big pants, little pants, green shoes, white shoes, purple hair, it didn't matter. Yeah. And and I don't think there, at that time, at your time, at my time, there wasn't a lot of culture, uh, especially in the high school cultures, that were like that, that were so accepting of whatever. You're like, man, there's this new band, and it could be the most outrageous name on the planet. And a friend would go, oh, let me give it a listen. You know, not look at you sideways, and right, right. And it's one of the raddest one. The camaraderie that comes with skate culture cannot be overstated. Yeah, it's unmatched. I mean, you know, it kind of goes without saying if you're in it, but it's one of those things where it doesn't matter if what you've done. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how much how cool your style is. It matters like, can you throw down? Can you rip? Like, what are you contributing to the stoke of the session? Yeah, and are you having a good? And are you having a good time? And that's it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm super, super grateful. I mean, skateboarding has been the light that's kind of pushed me through everything. I feel like that's a whole nother conversation because it's your therapist. It is your, (laughs) it's your motivation. It's different things at different times. You know, I, I used to always say to my mom, I'm like, you know, somebody could tell me I'm going to die tomorrow and I could go out and ride my skateboard for three hours and think of nothing but riding my skateboard. Not think about dying tomorrow, right? but riding my skateboard. It was, uh, I'm very fortunate, um, and as you are to find it when we did, uh, similar ages when we when we both I was eleven when yeah. I found a skateboard and um, and just the friendships like ours and uh, and that we're still doing it. You know, people are like you still skate. I'm like you still breathe, <laughs> right? Just yeah, no, same. Just yeah. asking. But um, following high school uh, in 2013, you headed to Ferris State. Yeah, I go Bulldogs, baby. Yeah. I uh, there was like a weird. Weird series of events, you know, growing up in the Metro Detroit area, I had tons of family in the auto industry, so I kind of thought, like, the auto world was going to be my path. Um, I was really into audio systems, right? So I went to Ferris for automotive engineering, believe it or not. Um, And my my thing with it was, like, you know, I was kind of going to go get the degree, and I I wanted to design audio systems for cars, and uh, really quickly realized that was not the move for me um and, and what is really quickly first year six months two months first year I, I completed a whole year of the engineering school i did well in it but it was like 
I just knew at the end of the year, I was like, I'm not setting foot in that auto building ever again. Um, and at this point, I had already been DJing for, um, so if we want to run it even further back, so I had, you know, nine years of vocal music in, in high school. I was in choir and things like that. I wasn't super involved, but I was in there, in the room, learning the stuff. So um, I found kind of like electronic music and DJing and things like that uh, late high school. And when I got to college, that was kind of like, it reframed my thinking a bit because all of a sudden I had like a service that was, you know, in demand in a college campus. I'm like, I'm a DJ. So I got, you know, my business cards made. I got logos made. I started popping up. This is in 2013 at every single party with like my house stereo in my car, a little tiny DJ controller and my shitty laptop. And I'd find the owner of the place or who's renting it or whatever and be like, hey, I'm a DJ. Can I set up here? Every weekend I would do that, like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, sometimes Sunday. Um, never got paid for any of those, obviously. But um, but yeah, my freshman year kind of made me realize that, that was possible. In that year, I became like a Red Bull affiliate for Ferris because they had to have like a one person from every school. And um, thankfully, they I met this dude that was like in charge of it. And so I get put on with Red Bull. I get to do a ton of cool events from there. And then... Um, this is still all within that year. Um, I started DJing kind of more official events. And then as that year was coming to a close, it's like, maybe we shift the focus a little bit to get away from this auto, you know, practical thing. And maybe we shoot for the stars a little bit here. Mm -hmm. so that was you have to, you know, when you, when you are not really honing your passion, but realizing, wow, this really freaking sets me on fire. I want to do more of this. Um, especially in college, you know, you're, you're meeting new people. It's a new environment. It's all new. I, it's, it, so much is going on. And then to realize, wow, this gets me out of bed in the morning. Like I'm psyched on this and it's an evolution and, and not everybody can grasp that. They're like, well, you know, grandma always said work for the big three, 30 and out, good pension, all this kind of stuff. Uh, you said your parents are very supportive. Were they at this time? Yeah, that's honestly a, a biggest piece of the puzzle, I think. For And not, maybe not the biggest, but for me, it was a huge piece of the puzzle. Um, I'm an only child, too, so my parents have always said, like, we only have one chance to fuck up. So basically, like, <laughs> you're either yeah, you're either going to do great or, like, you're going to make us look like shit. So we saw great. you, and, yeah, we're not going to do that again. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. So, uh, so no, man, I, um, you know, I brought it to I, – I let them know, like, you know, this isn't going to last for me. And they were super on board with it. They're like, just make sure you, you know, cover your bases. Make sure you do something. So at that point, I switched into a public relations program at this, at Ferris. And uh, there was a whole bunch of craziness that ended up there. But I ended up getting a degree in public relations. Um, and they were super supportive of the whole thing. And, I mean, I think my parents are pretty happy with where I'm at now. You know, it's all, yeah. it's all worked out thus far. I'm still young. but Well, and you're, <laughs> you're fired up. You're hungry. You're having a good time. You know, you're doing... Uh, your adult things, I always say, you know, if you can do your adult things and still have that, you know, childlike 12, 13, 14 yeah. mentality, like to me, that that's a sign of success. And I still act like a child. Take care of my adult things. I'm not causing waves. I'm not trying to shirk any of my responsibilities, but I still have a childlike enthusiasm about life. And I think that was my biggest fear. And I think that's a lot of people's fears, like growing up. I did not want to be that square peg in the round hole. I didn't want to go put on a suit and go pretend like I care about whatever, you know, company. And there's nothing like, you know, a lot of people are amazing at that. I just always knew I was more of a jeans and t-shirt kind of guy. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I always knew that I wanted to do something that I genuinely enjoyed at the end of the day. Otherwise it wouldn't be worth doing for me. So, you know, I think, I think making that realization pretty early on helps. Yeah. And being fired up in the morning. I mean, I, I hear, you hear so many stories. I mean, I'm sure you God, I got to go to the job again. This sucks. When am I, you know, when can I retire? What's going on? And uh, when you're following your passion, <clears throat> that isn't the way the days go. No, Man. that's still how it goes when you got a 5 a.m. flight and you didn't get to bed until 2 because you've been DJing all night. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, it's totally different. Cons, it's totally different. Though. I wouldn't have it any other way. I'll tell yeah, you that much. But as you're sitting on your plane, you're like, this is rad. I didn't punch a clock this morning. Oh, 100%. And yeah, I mean, the. I'm, I'm still now adjusting to being able to just relax on a Tuesday. Right. <laughs> it's like right. I'm not working. The work week doesn't start till Thursday. Okay, well, I can chill. I, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, sometimes, especially when you're fired up, it's hard to sit still. And when you do, you feel guilty. Right. Like, geez, I feel guilty. Like, I should be doing something. But we have to rest. We have to take time for ourselves and we have to do those things. Uh, following Ferris State, um, uh, 
uh, you ended up in 2017 uh, working with iHeartRadio. Yeah. Now I've heard I, I've heard that name iHeartRadio. What exactly is iHeartRadio? Sure. I mean, anyone at home could Google it if you're not sure. But um, for our sake, it's uh, you know iHeartMedia or iHeartRadio slash iHeartMedia. They're a conglomerate of radio stations or digital media agency. Um, and they're I mean they they claim to be America's number one audio company. So they're uh, they're a massive you know corporation that owns a ton of great radio properties. And uh, I was blessed. It's it's kind of a weird. But also not that weird uh, series of events. So when I was in that PR program, I needed a job shadow for one of my classes. I end up uh, reaching out to a friend who I knew knew someone there. Get connected with um, her name's Sam Bennett. She was the promotions director at the time. We hit it off day one of the job shadow. She needed an intern. I became her intern that summer. Long story short, first day in the building, I meet Stick, who is uh, now the you know owner um, and director of Woodward Sports here. Um, he was programming a station there at the time and it was cool. He brought all, there was seven of us interns. I think he brought us all in the studio and he was like, yeah, if you guys ever want to learn anything, just let me know. I'm here to teach you. And I was like, dude, teach me everything, you know. And I was, I showed up every day and, um, you know, got some really cool opportunities from it. Um, and that, you know, that led to working here in Detroit with, uh, Channel 955, which is my you know childhood radio station. For for a backstory, my first AIM screen name was World Skater 955. So <laughs> you can see how it all kind of came full circle in that that section of my life. But prior to that, you ended up at 104.5. Yeah. Yep. So that's that's the station that Stick was running at the time. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. So um so it all started at 104.5, and then um. Yeah, I was blessed, you know, some things happened here, and I got to come on as a mixer, and then I kind of got to fill in a little bit, so, you know, I've been blessed to do a lot of cool gigs, DJ in a lot of amazing places, I've held a couple of residencies with the radio stations, or, you know, or on the radio in the club, just like the old days, which is super, super cool, um, and I mean, really, that, that kind of was, I think, a whole, that added a whole other layer to the potential of myself as a DJ, I think, because, you know, all of a sudden, I realized, I, I, got the, the mileage, I got the hours in, in these big clubs, in these big rooms, in these high dollar events to where all of a sudden, okay, I'm not just like, you know, a DJ that you can you put in the corner of the bar and ignore. Like, no, I'm a real deal entertainer that, you know, right, has, a, has the ability to do a million different things depending on what's going on, depending on what you need, depending on what the vibe of the room is. So, you know, I really, I really equate a lot of even just my awareness of where I'm taking things to like those opportunities that I got in FM at a pretty early you know, age there. Right. Right. And, and, you know, if you end up having Toff come and DJ one of your monumental events, you're not going to get a laptop with a pre made playlist and he's up at the bar. This guy's fire. I'm telling you what fire when he gets, uh, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. It truly is amazing. And you brought up Stick. Stick has spent an hour here on the drop-in in his story. Stick is a legend. Oh, his story was so good, and he had yeah. nothing but great things to say about you. And just, uh, again, the crooked road to get to here, Woodward Sports, was freaking, I mean, you, could, you can't write a book like that. It was so rad to have him yeah. in studio and, and to really learn. How, where he cut his teeth, how he got to where he got to, which is what we're doing with you today. And it's, uh, you know, and, and if you haven't looked it up, what is your H-Off on uh, Yeah, H-Off, it's right here on the banner, too, if you're watching the video. Yeah, make sure. H-E-Y-C-H-O-F-F, if you're just listening to the audio. H-Off, H-Off, H-Off on uh, all socials. Yeah, make sure to follow because, again, you want to you wanna freaking get as much positivity in your yeah. life as you possibly can. And this is the guy you want to be following on all social media platforms. Um, you know, we brought up 104.5. Uh, I want to um, ask you again about 95.5 because that's a huge, huge station here. And Detroit is what, top 10 market in the country or maybe I think top it's like 15? falls around 13, okay, yeah. Okay, top 15 market. Yep. It's a big market. Yeah, it's a massive market. Yeah, you're not in, you know, whatever, Tallahassee. Nothing wrong with Tallahassee. You're not in some podunk town. This is a big market. Yeah. So uh, how did you feel getting in there? I mean, that's... Man, I mean, it was the coolest feeling in the world. You know, I never, I never had like a primetime role or anything like that. But um, even still, you know, occasionally, uh, you know, the the bosses over there will let me do a little guest mix, and I I love doing that stuff. I mean, to me, it's gonna sound kind of weird, but there's nothing better as a DJ than playing 
when you know that if you fuck up, there's like thousands of people that are gonna hear it. <laughs> there's nothing better than that. There's nothing better than that because you push it and you. It's like I can't even. I really can't explain the feeling, but it's it's just really powerful. And you know, um, I've I've been able to host on there quite a bit too, filling in for people and doing some weekend shows and stuff like that. And um, yeah, I I don't know. It's it's hard to explain the feeling of of being able to have an impact on people's days at scale when they're not expecting it like you can with radio. You know, radio is not necessarily like, – very seldom does someone tune into the radio to hear a specific show unless it's like a top personality or something. You know, a lot of times it's just in the background. So, you know, to be able to to be the one that maybe helps them lift an ear and be like, oh, oh, damn, okay, okay. Yeah. Like, I want that – like, I love that feeling. So, um, so yeah, I mean – it's the coolest feeling in the world, you know. I uh, I love, you know, I'm, I'm super grateful for every opportunity I've had there, and uh, you know, love being able to pop on as a guest every once in a while. It's great. Well, and this is a little bit of an off track question, but you know, you're in a room and the people are in front of you. The energy you can like cut it. Yeah. You're behind a mic, by your, you know, like here. You know, we're in yeah. a studio. Uh, for me, it, it it's, you know, for me it was speaking on stage versus doing like a Zoom motivational thing. Sure. I I prepared just like I was speaking on stage for Zoom. I'd put on the same clothes. I'd go through the same exact routine to try to keep that same energy because it was uh, uh, just different, not having the face-to-face, -face, the interaction, you know, seeing the energy right as you're in real time. Was there a shift for you in that, or is it the same energy when you're in studio versus in in a uh, open setting? For the most part, it's the same energy. Um, weirdly enough, I feel like I would probably prepare more when it's just a studio setting because I'm totally relying on myself for the energy. Whereas if I'm going to DJ at, you know, the annex or, you know, a club downtown or something like that, like, you know, I'll be able to feed off the room. So I'll see, I'll see in real time. Oh, that song worked. Oh, that one fell flat. Oh, you know, whatever. And I can kind of map my night out from there. Whereas if I'm sitting in the studio, you know, doing a mix or something, I don't know how many people are listening. I don't know how many people are turning their radio off when I'm playing a song or whatever. So um, I think I, I rely a little bit more on um, you know, myself in those situations. So probably more prep, but, um, but there, obviously there's similarities in both. And when you, the more you do them, just like anything, you kind of like gain the awareness of right. what it is like to be on the other side of that speaker. So right. that's really, that's really fun. Very cool. You know, uh, thank you again for taking the time. I know you're freaking, oh, you please. got, shit going and Honored. to spend an hour here on the drop-in for our viewers awesome so thank you once again chop for for coming in and in smi smiling uh, <laughs> sharing your story with us. always i'm honored uh, to be here yeah so you're you know you got school you go to ferris state you end up at 95.5 uh, on the resume at quebec how do you end up doing a show and and for our, our our viewers you know we're in the metro detroit area Quebec is what, like 8, 10, 12 hours north of here? I yeah, it's just north of, I mean, it's north of Rochester, New York, basically. It, it's a hike much. from here. Um, How do you end up working? What, were you there, three years, something like that? I Yeah, so I was remote for three, almost three and a half years, hosting nights on 94.7 Hits FM in Montreal, which is like the coolest kind of teeth cutter job I could have ever had. Um so how I got that gig was I was here on 955 doing mixes every week. And um, my old program director at uh, 94.7 is John Steele, who does afternoons on the competitor of 955. He heard my show. They were looking for a night guy. One thing led to another. He, I think he, like, slid into my DMs on Facebook, actually. <laughs> and we end up talking, like, this was probably, I actually do remember this. This was, like, 11 p.m. on a Tuesday he slides into my DMs on Facebook. I see it right away because I'm at the radio station Grand Rapids. And we end up getting on the phone for like two hours, offered me the job the next day, and I did that remotely for years. And that was really cool because um, I got to go through like anyone that's done broadcasting and radio, you they know this feeling. But I felt like I just got to go through so much with that audience. Like, you know, I mean, I was there before the pandemic. I wrote out a year and a half of the pandemic. Like we just, we experienced so much together. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't in the room, but you know, like I had, I had a way to get the phone calls forwarded to my house and I was always interacting on their social media, which it was a legendary station. So they had a huge audience. Um, so that was really cool. And I got to, you know, cut my teeth as a broadcaster. I was, you know, we were doing calls, we were doing games, we were doing all kinds of ridiculous things. I got, I did some questionable things that got passed around to upper management of a lot of different companies. And, uh, 
you know, I mean, everything from. I think if you weren't pushing the envelope, though, I don't. I think that's part of the job, in my opinion. I, I definitely. I mean, <laughs> I almost wish my boss was here to explain. I definitely pushed that on for more to. than once. You got to. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's just fun. You know, that's what makes it good. So yeah, that was the coolest job, man. Um, anything and anything you can do, broadcasting wise, like that, you know, from your home, it's the best. And now, did you see a difference in what you were doing here in Detroit? Versus what you're broadcasting for the station in Montreal. I think a little bit. Um, I like, you know, I love the locality of being on a station here because I can talk about what I saw on Woodward today. Mm -hmm. Whereas there, I was never there. Like, I've never even been there. <laughs> so I'm totally relying on what I see on the news or what listeners are telling me. So uh, I, I guess the biggest difference is just the personal connection that I have with, like, the actual community. Um, but I mean, from a content perspective, you know, I've, a lot of the same stuff. Yeah. A lot of the same vibes. I will say Detroit music wise is like a really cool market. I definitely got to push my playlist a lot more, um, here than I necessarily did there. Well, and Detroit and music are, are synonymous. I yeah. mean, from, from Motown to our, our tech, legendary techno to the punk rock. I mean, you even got, you know, bands like the white stripes who have even like Got some rock and roll, uh, Bob Seger. I mean, every generation, Detroit yeah. musically is always always has somebody on the map that's uh, maybe making a shift in what is popular, taking that and turning it on, it's on its on its head. The MC Five. I mean, so many wonderful bands and music styles came out of the city of Detroit. Yeah, and I think that um, you know, specifically techno. Like, I think the origins of that being right here is a lot of kind of what pushed me and the direction I went in because, you know, those like late high school years when I was getting into electronic music, that was because I had like friends that were older than me that were taking me to warehouse parties yeah, in the yes. city and, you know, going to the works and, you know, Russell Industrial Center, like all the, all the real underground stuff. Um, and so I kind of got exposed to that pretty early on. Yeah. Lucky, lucky. I know. Blessed. Lucky. Um, so you, we talked a little bit about the Choff brand, and it, we're going to back up a, a tiny bit because I wanted to spend some time on this. Uh, it started in 2013. Yeah, uh, yeah I think... According I, to the documentation. Okay, yeah, I think officially that was when I got my LLC for Choff Entertainment. Yeah. And where did... Uh, did you come up with the name? Did somebody else come no. up with the name? I would have never given myself the unfortunate name of Choff. <laughs> I, I want to put that on record. So, um, So my name is Christian Hoffer. I remember, I want to say it was like high school. I was, or like late high school, early college. I was like DJing a party and like all my friends started chanting, see Hoff, see mm -hmm. Hoff. And then that kind of like became my DJ name. And then when I was getting like graphics design, I didn't like having a dash in it. So I just had it say C-H-O-F-F -F with like big spaces. And people just started saying Choff and it was just like, well, there it is. Yeah. That's, um, how, that's how nicknames often work. Yeah. And you know, I, I hated it for the longest time, but. I see. I saw a lot of value in it. First of all, I love one syllable words. Choff, I love that. It's like really short, easy. No one else um, has that name, at least not that I know of. So it's like you know, it was a great name for radio because you know, um, say like you know, Mojo's giving me a shout out or something when I used to DJ their parties. It's like yeah, Choff's gonna be there. It's not. He's not saying Steve. He's not saying Larry. He's saying fucking Choff. Like right. you know who that is. So um, so from that standpoint, like you know, I've always I've always just taken a lot of pride in it. Did you ever do an ego search and see if there's any other chops out there? I've done some, and uh, none of them are, like, there's, like, weird spell, like, people from, like, Croatia or something. Like, there's, like, some random names, but most of them have the little, I don't even know what they're called, the little two dots over the O or something. Like, so, uh, no, there's no, there's no chops in my lane, and it's trademarked now, so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so in 2013, when you get the LLC, what's yeah. your vision at that time? What is your vision for the Choff brand DJ, as, as you go get it? DJ, make money. That's it? That's it. That's it. I didn't really have a vision at that time. I mean, at that point, it was just, I just wanted to be in front of as many people as I could. Um, I didn't really like, I mean, I, didn't, I don't even think I really understood life very much back then. You know, that was, I had a lot of, I felt like my college years were kind of what broke me down and allowed me to rebuild the human that you see today. So I, I think at the time when I first decided to do it, I, I, I really don't think it was much more than, well, I'm going to start doing this. I probably should at least have it be a business. So that way, you know, I can look legitimate to people. Well, and it does. When they see the name with the LLC after it, 
people are like, wow. They're like, wow. <laughs> if only they knew it's a form you can fill out online for <laughs> 25 bucks. I was going to say, I think it's like 75 for three years or something like that. Yeah, yeah. 25 bucks there a year. You, you become a uh, what, limited liability corp and yeah. uh, bam, you're an LLC. There you go. Yeah, I just had to re-up one like the other day. So it's like 25 bucks in the state of Michigan. But um, I love the name. I love the name Chop. I think uh, it, it's it's unique. It's you uh, in my in my mind. And um, and how, uh, when I figured out what it was, I'm like, oh, it's uh, it's C Hop. I know exactly. What yeah, it is. yeah. I'm like that's cool though. That's uh-huh. cool. And I didn't know if you came up with that or if somebody else did. Um, the brand continues to grow, and I think especially in in the circle that I know locally, if I say Christian Hopper, some people. Are like, if I say, oh, yeah, Chop, I know, I know who that is. You right. know, and, and so that's what you want a nickname to do. That's what you want a business to do. That's what you want, especially in DJing. You want a crowd of 5,000 chanting Chop, you know, from yeah. wherever they're at. So I think it is brilliant. Um, with your DJing, I was totally amazed when I was going through the resume, and I saw names like Lupe Fiasco, Ludacris, uh, even the Chainsmokers. I accidentally almost saw Went, walked in one of their concerts one time. I didn't even know who they were. Mm-hmm. Like, who is this playing? They're like chain smokers. I'm like, this guy could be next door. <laughs> Not my thing. But those are huge yeah. acts. How did you get involved? And you can take them one at a time, one, whatever. That That's huge, man. Yeah. That's huge. Um, you know, I've been really grateful that a lot of people have trusted me to, to hold down, you know, responsibilities of opening stages and, and uh, transitioning between acts. So... I mean, uh, the Lupe Fiasco one, that was uh, with Ferris State when I was there. That was like a school-sponsored event, and uh, they they needed a DJ and a host. And I, I honestly think for that one, I might have just, like, applied or something, and then someone picked me. Um, Ludacris, those uh, – I got to open for a lot of really cool artists when I was with SNX in Grand Rapids. We did, like, Lil John, T.I., Juice World, T-Pain, Ludacris, Juvenile – Bone Thugs and Harmony, uh, NF. I'm trying to think, like, and people don't give enough credit to the hype. The hype, right? They don't like well, that's that's an important job. I think the cool thing to mention too that, and I, I hate to like even toot my own horn like this, but you can put me in front of a Bone Thugs and Harmony crowd. You can put me in front of a Chainsmokers crowd. You can put me in front of a Lupe crowd. You can put me in front of a freaking Toby Keith crowd, and I could figure out the room, mm. and that's something that I've really prided myself on as I went through this journey of doing all these different radio things. I didn't even mention, uh, I did a country station, B93, like one of the biggest signals in the country too, throughout all of that. But um, that's allowed me like a lot of versatility. So I think as I continue to, you know, get those opportunities and learn from each thing and, you know, keep progressing, whatever, it's like, um, I've kind of developed myself as a DJ into this like Swiss army knife now to where, you know, I can get a call from, you know, someone throwing a country party and then I can get a call from, you know, someone that's got two chains coming into town and then I can get a party where, you know, it's like this underground rave and I can figure out how to make things work for all those crowds. Well, what's rad is that's who you are too. You know, being around you quite a bit over the last, especially last six months here, we've seen quite a bit of each other at skate parks and different things. And it doesn't matter what walk of life is, is there. Like, you're, you're resonating with each one of them. And, and I think that translates from uh, to your DJing or from your DJing or just who you are. And that's a rad quality to have. Thanks, man. Yeah, I think it's just really important. I think it's so, like, our culture promotes, like, just doing one thing, right? Like, oh, just, if you're a hip-hop artist, like, you shouldn't be singing on songs. You're a hip-hop artist. Like, that's a very bold example. But um, I've always prided myself on on really being versatile and whatever and, you know, I'm more, I'm like kind of, I'm a jack of all trades kind of guy. And, you know, when it comes to music, like at home, you know, I'll listen to disco in the morning, some drill music for like with my lunch and then house music, you know, as I'm going back to the office and then a a country song with dinner, like I'm all over the place with what I listen to too. So it just, I mean, I think it just kind of echoes throughout like all kind of everything I do. Yeah, no, it's a rad quality. And especially in your, your profession to be able to walk into a room that could be a, that could be a reality show. You know, oh, could. Take, 100%. Take, take a musician or DJ and say, we're going to put you in a room. You're not going to know what the room is and you got to make it work. Yeah. Man. <laughs> and that's what I, I mean, I'm not kidding. That's what I do, you know, three to four nights a week. Most of the time, like I, I don't really with DJing, I don't have like, 
I have some spots that I frequent, but I'm not this the DJ that's at the same spot every Saturday, no matter what. Like I'm always in different rooms, and whether it's the world's biggest bounce house that I'm DJing on, whether it's you know the annex, whether it's electricity, whether whatever, like. Yeah, you get thrown in and you just you make it work, baby. That's what yeah. you're there for. It's all, again back to that smile enthusiast thing. It's like look around the room. Are people vibing? You're doing your job. Not yep. vibing? Not doing your job. Figure it out. And a swing and a miss <laughs> is going to resonate, you know. It, and that happens every night. Yeah. I mean, it, you're you don't kill it start to finish. It takes it takes a little bit. Very seldom do you kill it all night, you know. Usually you got to you got to figure out the room and then once you figure out the room, you got to keep the vibe going and sure you're going to slip a little bit. You might play a record that they're like, "Really?" Like this song does not fuck anymore. Excuse me, <laughs> but if you bring it, if you bring it back around, you're yeah, good. That's forgotten. That's <laughs> yeah. forgotten. And you bring up the world's biggest bounce house. And I remember when you were telling me a little bit about this some months ago. How how did you land that gig? And how have those gigs been? It is the most interesting and electric gig I've ever done. Um, so how I landed it? Uh, again, we're back to Jonathan Steele, the guy that gave me the job in. Uh, in Montreal, he also linked me in with the owners of the company that owned the world's biggest bounce house. They own Headphone Disco. They own the Throwback Time Machine. Basically, all these party brands. Um, and yeah, I did an event with them. It went really well. And then they kind of were just like, "Yeah, whatever. You know, whatever you want to DJ with us, let us know." And they do that bounce house tour. It travels the country nine months straight, basically. And They're, it sounds crazy. It sounds oh, it's like a, such a crazy event. It's a twenty-five thousand square foot bounce house like the guinness book of world records <laughs> biggest bounce house and they bring it city to city and it's not even just, it's not only just that they also have like a mile long inflatable obstacle course they've got this like inflatable sports arena they, they've got these slides i mean it's like it's a whole carnival basically of inflatables and in the center of the world's biggest bounce house there's a dj booth they do you know we do confetti blasts uh bubbles foam machine um we play games in there i mean and i, I can't stress this enough it is the highest energy party experience that I've ever had. When you get like, cause they do adult sessions. So it's families during the day and then 6 PM is adults only till nine. Those adult sessions. <laughs> We'd be having twerking contests in there. We'll do like these, the reverse limbo contest. We got to like jump. I mean, the, the energy is just picture a club, but a bounce house. Right. I, and it's, I want to, I want to try it. It's like, cool. I wanna, yeah. I wanna do it. I've gotten to do it in, um, Fort Lauderdale, Houston, Austin, uh, Atlanta, Milwaukee, Cleveland. I'm doing Orlando next weekend. Uh, I mean, it's just every city's different, and it's so fun. So, yeah, when the Detroit one comes, we'll get you out there. Yeah, definitely. definitely. <laughs> we might have to do a remote. It's Yeah, it's the coolest gig. They just made the DJ booth bigger, too, so I'm pretty pumped for next weekend for that. Oh, how cool. How yeah. cool. And, and it's, I'm sure you are seeing things every event that you're like, man, I never thought I'd that in my lifetime like there's Yo, gotta be the craziest stuff going on the twerk contest in houston <laughs> <laughs> Drop the nothing oh. more to say <laughs> <laughs> no that was yeah i mean it's it's super cool and, and the fun thing about it too is it's not just me we got a team of like four djs normally we're all switching off and we're all from all around the country so um you know there's a lot of diversity the vibe is super cool uh and we make it we make it just a a party all weekend yeah Super that's cool. really cool you know and and things generally go pretty well if you're in the booth but i know you've had those times where things just went completely south can you recount like one that stands out where you know lost power uh you know Whoa. twisted your ankle uh you know chipped a tooth like i'm making there's up, so obviously. many is there yeah, any, you can hand, give us a couple. I'm trying to think of I'm, I. Okay, how do I want to do this? All right, pick a number, uh, one through three. Through three, two. He's picking two. I'm picking two. Okay, the worst. This. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right, so college freshman just decided I was going to join a fraternity, right? So, um. Long story short, we transformed the Pike House at Ferris into basically a club for the night. We pushed this table against the wall. There's a huge room. Probably, I would say, like 200 to 300 people partying in it. I mean, this place is sardine. So it's a it's big a, party. It's a damn nightclub. Yeah. And we've got three DJs, myself on the left side, my buddy from Ferris in the middle, my other friend on the other side, right? So I'm dancing with these girls. We're all having fun, whatever. My one DJ on the far side is playing. My buddy in the middle is like, hey, 
can you watch my gear really quick? I got to go use the restroom. And I'm, again, dancing with this girl. I'm not, I'm like, yeah, I got you, bro. No worries. Whatever. I'm a freshman. I'm drinking. I'm like, you know, doing whatever. And I had just agreed to join the fraternity. So like, this was my party, basically. So uh, a couple seconds later, my buddy leaves. This girl walks up and is like, hey, I think I left my phone on the DJ booth. It might have fell. Can you see if it it's on the ground? And I'm like, oh, for sure. I got you. No problem. I'm on my hands and knees looking for this girl's phone. And my buddy comes back. He's like, dude, where's my laptop? what <laughs> the girl's gone the laptop's gone hot girl played your boy <laughs> and stole the freaking laptop off the desk and it was kind of my fault because he told me to watch right. it so nevertheless we shut this whole entire freaking party down we had to search like the whole crew like everyone got searched basically on their way out um Obviously, I feel terrible about the whole situation, whatever. So long story short, I post about it on social media. This girl who stole it brags to my friend who saw my Facebook post. And he's like, hey, I know who took your laptop. I'm like, cool. Can I have her number? Right, right. <laughs> Gives me your number. I call her up. She answers. And I'm like, hey, can I have that laptop back? She came and brought it back. No the way. The next day. Except the dumb bitch wiped it clean. That sucked. But that was one of those stories where I, I – it's like a million lessons in one. Never have, never since that day in 2013 have I taken my eyes off of what's going on. You know, um, that was one of those those big times where I learned. Um, so that's that's yeah, and, that's and a pretty wild story. Definitely, and stuff happens all the time. You know, I mean, uh, you hope to keep the negatives to a minimum. You know, and keep as many positives as you can. That's just a. That's nuts. Like, that was calculated, premeditated. She knew what she was doing from the get. And uh, So smart. And it, I'm just stoked you guys got the laptop back. Even though it was wiped clean, um, at least you recouped some of that. Yeah, yeah, that was, a, that was a fun time. Not so much my doing, but that was one of those moments where you just, you learn a lot, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Get a little, I got a chip on my shoulder from that still. Even now when people walk up to the DJ, but I'm like, don't come over here. Uh -uh. <laughs> hey, this, no, you stay back. <laughs> gonna have like the velvet ropes around yeah like, you can't damn right cross the ropes here damn right so um uh, we talked about you know bounce house and, and this and that and, yeah i mean you you dj'd all over the city of detroit some of the biggest events here and i know that you have the bounce house coming up next weekend as in orlando as you said what else do you have coming up that you're looking forward to if anything yeah a ton of things um so like you know, I'm doing a couple college shows this week. I just did Oakland University the other day. I'm doing uh, Albion tomorrow. I'm looking forward this spring. We got some big stuff coming up. Um, the uh, St. Patrick's Day party, big tent party with uh, DJ Godfather and company downtown. I'll be doing that. Um, and St. Patrick's Day in Detroit. Oh my is, gosh, is it's it's yeah. different. Stick it's from uh, Woodward Sports will be out there hosting that as well. Um, and then I'm doing opening day, which is that's always, another one that's completely... always absolutely crazy. Got some festivals coming up, some weddings. I'm doing a lot of weddings this year because, you know, we got bills to pay. I'm a homeowner now, so uh, yeah. so we're stacking those, which I love doing those. Um, so, yeah, a lot of fun stuff coming up. And, you know, the fun thing about the lane I'm in is things kind of just pop into your calendar at the most random time. So even if it's like you're looking ahead and there's not a ton going on, well, guess what? It's going to fill up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, speaking of the house, how is that going, man? It's good. I don't, you know, I don't have kids knock on wood i don't think i have kids i don't have uh kids i don't have you know um a ton of like crazy i don't have pets so having a house is kind of like my my list of responsibilities i guess so it's it's super good i have you know i've been leaning in on the house projects i've been getting a lot more creative um just just doing things myself and whatnot so it's it's learned you know it's showed me a lot about myself i've learned a lot of lessons through just trial and error and having my dryer break at four in the morning when I have things to do the next day, you know, all those things. Right. <laughs> it's awesome. But being resourceful yeah. and, and being, uh, having the, uh, the will to say, okay, I'm going to YouTube this. I don't know how it works or, or whatever. We are, we're fortunate with technology nowadays because you can be like, how do I change the, you know, igniter on my new stove or old right, stove? Right. And, and you can actually make a, a pretty educated guess. If it's within your wheelhouse or you got to hire somebody Absolutely. and that's pretty cool. Yeah. That's yeah. So cool. that's been fun. I've been enjoying it. It's a learning process. I, you know, my first house, I was like, you know, I grew up in townhouses. So oh, yeah. I never, I didn't never had to deal with any of that stuff. Right. And so I'm like, wow, if the furnace goes out, that's my gig. I don't oh yeah. I don't call a maintenance dude. That's my gig. 
I love it though. I, I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, super blessed to be in a position to, you know, be able to make that happen. Now, um, on subject, but not on our outline, because I, you know, every week I send the guests an outline. They have a ballpark of what the show is going to go. But um, do your parents live in the vicinity? You see them on a regular basis? Yeah, they're still kicking it in South Lyon. I actually saw my mom. I had lunch with her today. Uh, my parents are still doing their thing. You know, they're uh, love them. They are boomers. They're booming it up. Just doing the boomer things, hanging out, you know, working, watching TV. Um, they're they're amazing humans, and uh, yeah, I'm super grateful to you know still have a very very close relationship with them. Yeah, I think that's very important uh, for the people that are fortunate to fortunate to still have their parents here with them. It, yeah. it, it's really really cool, and sometimes overlooked when when you do have a great relationship with your your mom and your dad. That's cool. It's been funny, man. Like you know, the past few years have been pretty crazy as far as shaking up our realities and whatnot. And I think for a while, you know, I, this is totally off topic, but I think I was very much living under this like impression of what's next, what's next, what's next. Like my whole vision, like three years ago was like, I wanted to get a radio job and move away to LA and you know, whatever, like just, just, you know, become a rock star, whatever. And I think the, the pandemic really showed me like, it's not so much about like where you are. It's about like what you're doing and who you're doing it with. And really like sinking my roots into the Detroit area and being able to like, you know, kind of cultivate a lot of just amazing friendships and, and strengthen my relationship with my parents. Cause at the time I was living across the state and um, you know, all these things, I think the past couple of years of the pandemic has been like such a fruitful thing for me in terms of just like uh, reprioritizing what's important. And the, the parents are a very big piece of that puzzle. Cause I'm again, I'm an only child. They're not getting any younger. So, um, you know, to be able to, to be close and, and still be able to have a fun career is, is like more than I could have ever asked for. Well, and it's rad, uh, cause I had a similar kind of thing happen over these last couple of years where maybe mortality starts sinking in with my, my, you know, my dad's 75 years old and I think mortality sunk in with him a little bit. My mom and I have always been super close, but my dad and I, now I call him every day, just yeah. say, Hey, what's up? Just called say, I love you. Or we check in with each other every single day. And so there are some blessings for as tough as these last few years have been, there are uh, plenty of blessings that have come out of it, like uh, becoming closer with our families. I'm so grateful for that too. Cause yeah, I mean, if, I don't know, I, I just think uh, in general, not to get too like esoteric with it, but I just feel like our whole civilization was just like redlining so hard and not that we're not now, but I definitely think a lot of people realize like, you know, we're not invincible and at the end of the day, like you need to have a really strong foundation to to do anything meaningful. I feel like in the world, and for me, that that realization was just so huge. Yeah, definitely. And and what you were talking about is always what's next, what's next, what's next. Leading into this, uh, yeah. you know that that's a very common problem, especially for go getters. And and uh, I don't remember who said the term, but if you're always striving and never arriving, that's not always the best place to be. You have to take the time to celebrate those little incremental goals instead of getting here and going uh okay now i want to do this well take a moment to enjoy where you're at right now yeah and since 2013 when the chaff brand uh, became official to where you're at today it's not that many years and you've grown into like this empire that's evolving into something that's really rad is that what you at any point in time did you envision this where you're at today um I don't know if I envisioned this. No, I think I think I always pictured kind of being more tied to like a bigger brand. As you know, as as I mentioned before, like you know, I was I was tied to some big brands for a good chunk of my uh, career, and I I don't think I ever really pictured it being as independent as it is right now. And it's still even new to me. I mean, like you know, for people that don't know, six months ago I was working for Woodward Sports <laughs> as a side hustle. I was still DJing, obviously, and doing my thing, but um. You know, I had that going on as a side hustle um, and I was working with some of their other businesses and things as well and, you know, doing the radio thing. So for the first time over the past few months, it's been like all Chaff Entertainment for everything. And uh, it's the best. It's also kind of scary and weird because, uh, like, the structure is all on me now. You know, there's, there's no more, like, I'm not, I'm not waiting on a paycheck. Like, I am... I am the ball. I don't know. I am the empire. So it's like, I don't know. Um, I'm super, super stoked on where it's at. I'm super excited to like keep evolving it and see where it goes. But uh, I definitely didn't picture it like this. If that's, if 
you know, if that makes any sense. Well, regardless, it's a business. Yeah. And uh, the jump that you've made over these last handful of months is a jump that so many do not make. 80% of small businesses fail because when they get to make that jump, they go backwards. Yeah. And it's it's risky. It's scary. It's exciting. There's so many emotions. that I, I, I run the show. Like if I, you run the show, if you want to make more money, then you, you figure out how to make more money. Damn right, if, baby. If you're stoked with where you're at, but you still have to get out of bed every morning because you are the business, you are the brand. If chop doesn't work right now, chop don't get paid. And yeah. so, so it is a little bit of a different kind of responsibility. Yeah, no, it is. Um, and I love it. Now I'm just trying to think of like, what's next? How are we going to evolve this? How is this going yeah. to, like, it's great. But what's, you know, I have some ideas. Nevertheless, yeah. I have some ideas. Well, so. you are a very creative young man, and I, I, I'm looking forward to the future, as I'm sure all of you. You know, if you haven't started following Chop on social, hey, Chop on social media, make sure to do that just to see where he's going to be. No matter where you are in the world, he may be in your backyard next week. We don't know because mm -hmm. his evolution is totally changing all the time. Obviously, if you're in Orlando, um, this show be air is – Right now, if you're watching it, it's on a Tuesday. He's going to be there um, coming up. So definitely check him out. You know, uh, again, I, I thank all my guests so much because you can't get time back. And you took your time to come here to spend time with the drop-in audience. So thank you so much for being here again. And you're welcome back anytime. You know that. Anytime. Anything new coming up, you come on the drop-in, we talk about it. But is there anything else you'd, uh, anything you'd like to share? I mean, we hit the social media stuff. We let the people know how they can get a hold of you. Any any words of wisdom? Anything else you'd like to share with our audience? I love that little closer there. Gerald's a legend, by the way. If you didn't know this, dude's dude's a freaking king. Um, so you know, I'm you like that deflection. Very very honored to be here. Um, honestly, the the biggest thing I think is just you know, thank you first of all for having me. Um, and we're all in this together, you know. It's it's kind of cool to see like all these things start to transpire as we continue to like hone our passions and whatnot. I mean, as far as you know, what's next? It's kind of one of those things. It's like wait and see. Like I don't yeah. I don't really have uh you know like this is coming next. This is a big thing. This is here. It's it's almost more of like watching a a flower bloom slowly but surely. Like you don't know what it's gonna look like. Um until it does so as far as what's next you know i'm working on a clothing line uh i'm working on re-getting like getting my podcast going up again i just recorded the first episode uh two days ago so that's going to be happening again um tons of shows this summer is going to be absolutely stacked uh festivals concerts formal events you name it um and then yeah come come skate with us every wednesday yeah. <laughs> around but uh but no, man, it's such an honor to be here, and uh, I'm, I'm just very grateful. Well, thank you once again. And you, you remind me, uh, you know, when, when we're thinking of the future, what's to come? Uh, your answer was epic and perfect, by the way, because I used to try to envision what was coming, yeah. and I quit doing that. Like, I don't have long-term goals because my imagination can only recall from my experiences. I could never imagine that we'd be sitting here. You know, 10 years ago, I could never imagine this. Yeah, 100%. So I don't even try to create it. I'm just going in open, like, to the future. People go, what's next? I'm like, I don't really know, man. I'm yeah. going to be weaving baskets in a few months. I don't really know. Like, I like I like doing a lot of yoga. And uh, one, one word that's really been I, I hear tossed around in the yoga world a lot is surrender. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of, you know, there's times to really put the pressure on in life. And I think there are times to like surrender. And one thing that I've really been like realizing with how life kind of unfolds is like, it's good to surrender. Like I've always been, I, I don't know, blame the, blame me being a Capricorn or whatever. I've always been like, go get her. Like you ain't gonna stop me. Like if there's a wall, I'm gonna bust it down. I'm gonna get in there. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna, <laughs> but it's like, I'm realizing more and more, like if you're putting your ducks in a row in the right way, you're, kind to people you have a good intention like the universe tends to look out for people so like i don't know surrendering to that as far as like what the future looks like i think is huge yeah and and that's a perfect one we're gonna end with that i want to thank you once again gerald my brother pleasure yeah thank thanks for you. having me on the drop-in and thank you guys for tuning in this episode has been beautiful and i don't even have to close it that was the perfect closing <laughs> so.
This is Christian Hoffer. I'm Gerald Daly, and this is the drop in. Yeah. <laughs>